Hey everybody, welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, it has been an absolute honor uh, to be here, and gosh, I... Um, I thought maybe I would just start out and just kind of say, um, you know, this has probably been a season in my life that I didn't see coming. And some of you uh, don't know a little bit about my story. If not, you can Google it. Um, uh, but I, I, I mean this, that um, 2018 was a year where life just gave me one grand uppercut. And maybe you've experienced that. The unexpected happened. And I'll never forget being in Holland, Michigan. I was with my wife, and, um, and, and nothing was with us in, in, our, in, our, in our family life. It was just some outside um, stuff that was going on, and, and my dad passing. And, um, but I, I, I was just going through a, a really just difficult season, and um, all of a sudden, Melanie reached out. Um, and, and it was like one of the first people to reach out after a crazy season, and um, just invited me to come out to Eagle. Um, and it took us about a year to figure out dates and for it to work, um, but I'll never forget that. And for me, I had no idea what um, coming here um, would mean for me, personally, um, in 2018. Um, but in God's timing, just, just being able to come and uh, spend a couple days with Pastor Tim and Pastor Melody, um, being with Brent today, being with the staff, um, just having time with you all. Um, you, you, have, you have really blessed me. You've really encouraged me. And I, I'm, really, um, I'm really just moved by what I think God wants to do in and through you. I mean, just to think about on a Tuesday night, you all are here. Um, I was like, oh yeah, who's going to come on a Tuesday night? I mean, it's like World Series and there's like a whole, you know, like there's just so many other options and you guys are here and I just love that and I feel like God blesses that kind of decision. So um, with that, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for having me and um, hopefully today and tonight will just be a great capstone on where we have been. I mentioned um, that I don't like running. Anybody like running here real quick? Oh, nice, strong few hands. Well done, okay, okay. Um, I, I mentioned I, I, I really, I, I'm not a big fan of running. And, and it's not necessarily like, um, I, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for runners. Um, they, they're, they're, they're hardworking. But, but you've got to understand, I just have a little bit of bad um, experience with running. And I, I had a buddy of mine, he, he came up to me one time and he said, hey, uh, my family, my family, um, we've got this tradition um, that we run a 5K every year in our hometown. And it's really cool, we run the 5K in the morning, we go back home, you know, we watch a little bit of college football and then our family goes out and we like celebrate that we like conquered a 5K, which is only 3.1 miles, but we conquered a 5K with a big steak dinner and my dad pays for it, it's awesome. He's like, would you wanna join our family? I talked to my parents, they would love for you to come. And I was like, running, no. <laughs> steak though? Okay, so a couple weeks later, I got in my station wagon, and I, I drove down, and I, I show up and at this race, and there's thousands of people there. 
And this is like a, just a big deal. And, and, and I, I see my friends and their family introduce myself, and it's great. And, and I see just people kind of stretching, and, and I see porta potties, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's smart. So I walk over to the porta potties, and I come out of the porta potties, and I can't find my friends. That's so I'm looking for them, but I'm starting to be like herded towards the starting line. And, and I'm like, okay, and, 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 like, and it's amazing with races, I don't understand, but like everyone just strips down, like really, like they're throwing like Nike jackets on the side, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. And I should have known, because the shorts were a lot shorter, and people were wearing um, shoes that I can't pronounce, like Hoka or Sosani. Um, I, just, I, just didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know, and, and so I'm just here in my basketball shorts, and I can't find, I'm looking for my friends, my family, and then I hear, like, the, as I'm getting herded, I hear, I hear the, the announcer go, all right, runners, five, four, three, two, one, go, and I just start taking off running, and I'm like, man, I'm running, I'm looking for my friend, looking for his family, can't find him, I'm just running, and I'm like, I'll meet him at the finish line, just running. Just run. I feel like I've been running a long time. And, and what's really frustrating to me is that there's a guy in his 70s who's ahead of me. And he looks like he's having the time of his life. And it's just easy for him. And it's making me a little bit bitter. And so I, I finally look at this guy and I'm like, hey, man, feel like we've been running a long time. How much farther do we got? And he looks at his watch and he goes, oh, brother, we just hit the five-mile mark. We got 8.1 to go. I said, I thought this was a 5K. And he goes, oh, you're in the wrong race, dude. And I was like, you're in the wrong race, dude. I know that now because I can't feel my thighs. And all of a sudden, I start sinning in my brain. I'm like, did my friend get his whole family to punk me? They told me to use the restroom. They disappear, and they sign me up for a half minute. In my mind, I am trying to make sense of all of this, and yet this 70-year-old man's beating me. And so, like, I'm trying, and I'm pushing to try and stay up with him. And I'm not a runner, but I'm like, I'm not quitting. I'm going to finish this half marathon. I'm not trained. I don't run. I'm basically wearing basketball shoes and basketball shorts. And I look so bad that some random woman walked up to me, and she's like, would you like a peanut butter sandwich? So number one, who carries a peanut butter sandwich when they're running? And number two, yeah, I did. I was like, I, so like eat this peanut butter sandwich. And, and like I had no salt in my body, like cortisol gone. Like, and, and literally like I, I get to the finish line. And as I'm getting to the finish line, there's my buddy. And he's standing there with that smirk on his face. Yeah, you know what that smirk is like. You've seen it with your kids and you're like, you get close to me. And I know I'm not supposed to smack you, but I want to. You know what I mean? Like you just, you have, and he's just looking at me and I'm like, and I cross the finish line. And he goes, dude, you ran the wrong race. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. And he's like, we were trying to get your attention, but we, and I'm like, oh, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you at all. We go to like dinner, I can't even enjoy the ribeye. I'm like, this is just, uh. I wake up the next morning after driving back and, and I wake, out, wake up. And, and only those of you who have run a marathon or a half marathon, um, like understand what this is like. You, it's so painful to walk forward. I couldn't even, like my body couldn't even walk forward. I had to walk backwards, it felt more comfortable. Like I was doing like the poor man's moonwalk. Like, and I, I walk 
moonwalk to my chair and I get my Bible and um, I start to like just read. And, and, and in this time, like to me, the greatest worship song ever is one song by Delirious and it's called Obsession. And, and, and I just, it's nine minutes of like pure, unadulterated, honest, profound goodness. And I probably listened to that song every day for nine straight years. And it would just be on repeat. And I, I would just play it. And, and, I, and I would sit, and I don't know, I don't know what was going on. I'd get my Bible, and maybe I was reading the book of Revelation. I don't necessarily know what I was reading. But I do remember in my journal, I had it open, and I'm playing, and the song's like, and my heart burns for you. And I'm just writing. And I don't know if you ever have this experience when you're, when you're journaling, you just kind of free write. And I'm just free writing and writing and, and, I, and I almost have this sense that I'm coming to the end of my life. And I'm walking towards the gates of heaven. And again, this is probably so bizarre and it's probably because I had no salt or like cortisol or adrenals at all in my body because I ran a half marathon the night before. And I'm like writing and I'm writing and I feel like I'm going to the gates. And as I'm going closer and closer to the gates of heaven, I feel this bright light coming towards me. And it's so bright that I can't even look at it. And it's just getting closer and closer. And it's so bright. And I'm writing this. And it feels so, so real. And it's getting so close. And finally, I can feel this light just right before my very eyes. And all of a sudden, out of the mouth of this bright light speaks, dude, you ran the wrong race. And I remember writing that down and it was as if God was saying, why are you running somebody else's race? Like, Why, why aren't you running the race that I've asked you to, ra- to run? And I, I think for some of us, it's so easy for us to drift from what we have been called to be as Christ's followers. It's so easy for us just to drift and run an easier Western American race and miss out on the race that God has set before us, the race that the text invites us into. And whether you're young, whether you're old, the call is clear. And what it's going to require of every single one of us is the same thing that the disciples prayed for. And they prayed for this in the face of persecution. They prayed for this when it was easy. They prayed for it when it was scary. They prayed for it when it was difficult. And they prayed for it because they needed it. And if they needed it and they walked closely with the Messiah and they saw the power of the resurrection and they were there at Pentecost and they felt the fear in the face of the enemy and the persecution and the suffering, if they're praying for this, I think it's probably something we ought to lean into. So tonight, I want to talk about boldness. Tonight, I want to talk about courage. I'm going to do it a little bit differently because I'm going to take you back and look at one of my favorite characters from the Old Testament and then I'll bring it and connect it to the New Testament. But I bet for many of you, when you heard me teach, if you were there on Sunday talking about this invitational life, for some of you, maybe you were like, I want to do that, but I'm afraid. I want to do that, but I'm not sure I know how 
I want to be able to reach my friends and family, but I'm, I'm scared. I want to be used by God and have only God moments, but I don't know if I have what it takes. I want, I want to, but somehow, do I actually believe enough that God wants to use me? And so to do that, I want us to take you through the life of a man named Joshua. We're going to begin in Numbers chapter 13, which I'm sure um, you were in the book of Numbers this morning um, in your quiet time. But Numbers chapter 13 is an amazing chapter because it's, it's the story of the Hebrew people who are basically having this moment where Moses is so curious about the promised land. I mean, this land that had been had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They have no drones. They have no Wi-Fi. They have no encyclopedias. There's no life you know, magazine to showcase or National Geographic to showcase what this promised land is like. And so, in this Hebrew Hunger Games-esque, they set up the 12 tribes and they have this draft. And Moses just calls out names. I mean, and it's, it's amazing. Like, they'd line up and you'd have things like this, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Zodai. Right? And you're just like, dude, that's amazing. And so this person just gets drafted to be one of the 12 spies. Every tribe had a spy. And then Moses basically says, hey, tell me everything about the land. Don't miss anything. Tell me, is, it, is like the land, like, is it, is, it, is it filled with milk and honey? What are our enemies going to be like? Are they big? Are they small? Are they strong? What are they like? Tell, tell, tell me about the soil. Is the soil good? Tell me about like the waters, are good water supply. Tell me about like the, the mountains. How beautiful are they? Tell me everything. So these 12 spies go and they come back and 10 of them have some honest words. And 10 of them see the opposition. 10 of them see the circumstances. 10 of them see how small they are in comparison to their enemies. And you begin to see, and I'll just read this part and then we'll see one verse on the screen. They said this in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said this. I'm just going to see it up on the screen. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Here's, here's what they're saying. We were like this. We feel so small. 
And I don't know about you, but maybe some of you feel that way. It just feels small. Like there's no, there's no way God could ever use me. God could use my story. God could use my giftings. God could use me in the marketplace or me in my neighborhood. I just feel so small in comparison to all that is happening in our world. I just feel so small. And I love this because you've got 10 people who have basically got all of the nation saying, dude, we got a stone Caleb and this other guy, Joshua. We can't do it. And the people begin to have this fear. Fear to actually go out and live this out. And then in chapter 14, I love it. It says this, Joshua, son of Nun. Not son of a Nun, because that'd be weird. <laughs> Joshua, son of Nun. And Caleb, son of Jephune. And just, just so you know, if you're ever like having to preach publicly... And there's a bizarre word in the Old Testament. Here's what you do. You just read it quickly and with authority and move on. And everyone will believe you. Caleb, son of Jephune, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. And the entire Israelite assembly. And the land we passed through. And explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. I, I, I think this is an amazing moment. And I think it's so amazing because Joshua does not have a vision for what his life will be. Joshua does not know at this moment that fast forward a number of years, he is going to be the leader of the Hebrew people. Which I think is really, really fascinating. But I think when Moses ends up needing to find a successor, he's thinking... Who could actually make the hard calls? Who, when there's a whole bunch of critics, has huge faith? Who, in the midst of so much opposition, sees an opportunity for God to do what only God can do? And I began to really think about this. Because what ends up happening so often is that so many Christ followers, sincere Christ followers, miss out on something. We do not control much. We do not control much. But there is one thing that every single one of us has control over. And it's right now. It's right now. The only thing that you literally have control over is right now. Is the present moment. And I think this is really, really important. How you choose to live in the present moment prepares you for what God has in store for you. And when you have moments that you miss and you allow fear to win, what ends up happening that most people do not understand is it stunts them for what God has prepared for them. Does this make sense? So every moment, whether at the marketplace, whether at Starbucks, whether in your neighborhood, every whisper and prompting that God gives to you, it matters. Because how you choose to lean in and trust, it's building up the faith for what God has for you that you can't even see. 
Here's the thing. Most sincere Christ followers are living in the past. And they're thinking about all the stuff that they did. And they're going into the present reality with their backs towards the present, focusing head and heart on what yesterday was. And some of you aren't thinking about the past. Some of you, you're not living in the past and you're not living in the present. You are stressing and worrying about tomorrow. And you're thinking about tomorrow. And you're thinking about in two years. And you're thinking about in 10 years. And you're thinking about all the pressures and the finances. And what ends up happening is you miss out on right now. This whole way of life is centered around shame. And this whole way of life is centered on worry. Worry, anxiety, stress, shame, pain, sin, all of that. And the truth is, you miss what God has for you right here and now. You think about David. We celebrate this, that he fought a giant. And that's the story we tell. He fought a giant. And it's an amazing story. But can I tell you one thing? I guarantee you, David does not fight that giant if he wasn't faithful when he was a shepherd. And he writes about this, that when a bear came after one of his sheep, David said, I went after the bear and I killed it. And when a a lion came after a sheep, I went after it and I killed it. This is like Packers fans' favorite verses. But here's the thing that you got to understand is he was faithful in that moment and it was preparing him for something he didn't even know would come. That there was a nine-foot Philistine that was taunting and he was like, God protected me from a bear and from a lion. This This is just like that. See, here's the thing. Every day God has given you invitations and opportunities and here's what I want for you. I don't want you just to be a safe Nice, easy, comfortable church. I want you to be a church of significance. And a church of significance is a church that lives with a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning. And here's the thing. A church of significance owns the moment. It lives its life recognizing that there are moments that God has given and we want to be faith-filled to step in because we don't know what God's going to do with us individually and with us as a community. Does this make sense? And you got to think about it. What ends up keeping me up at night? Two things. It's not what the Bible tells me not to do. You know what keeps me up at night? What the Bible invites me to do. And what also keeps me up is the missed moments throughout my day. And I don't want you to miss those moments. Not just for the people that it will impact, I don't want you to miss that for you and for your community. Because when your faith gets stronger, everybody's faith gets stronger. Because you start to kind of run at a faster pace and someone goes, man, I want to try and keep up with Brent. Man, I want to try and keep up with Carly. Man, I want to try and keep up with Trevor. Man, I want to keep, and you find yourself pushing so that you're living into the life God had for you. Be the church of significance. The kind that has a deeper meaning, a deeper faith, and that doesn't choose to live in the past and get caught up in tomorrow, but owns today, the present, right here and now. You fast forward, and all of a sudden, 
Moses is coming to the end of his life. He doesn't get to enter into the promised land. And so he's got to pick his successor, and he picks Joshua. Because Joshua, in the face of adversity, showed that there was a better opportunity. And now Joshua has this sense of, i got to follow Moses? Are you kidding me? Like, can anybody name who followed John Wooden as head coach of UCLA? No. Can anybody follow who took Michael Jordan's place with the Bulls? No. You know, we, we, we don't often remember the people who followed greatness. And all of a sudden, Joshua is so human. He's like, I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I can lead. I don't know if I can live up to this. And God, in his kindness, just speaks a word that I think is a word for you today. A word that I, I believe and I have been praying and I am hoping that maybe you will hear, you will receive, you will let it sit in your heart. And a word that maybe will capture you, remind you, compel you, push you to live way outside your comfort zone. Joshua, there's so much that he God says these words. And, and what's so amazing is there's so much that he says. He, he just tells Joshua, man, I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Wherever your feet go, I'm going to bless you. And then he says a phrase three times in four verses. And maybe some of you have this verse highlighted. Maybe you've seen it in your house. Maybe you've seen it around the church. But it just simply says this. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times in four verses, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. And I need you to know that this phrase became the battle cry for the Hebrew people. In Hebrew, this phrase is rock shazak. It just is so fun to say. And the whole nation, they would find themselves just standing and they would sway. It was like the original jock jams, you know? It was like, if you think about the ninth inning and, and the relievers coming in, the closer, and they played off the song, maybe like Enter Sandman. If it was me, it would be Led Zeppelin, immigrant song, like, ah, ah. I would just get fired up with that, right? And I'd walk in and, and totally get, give up a home run. Our team would lose, but I would be pumped. But this was the song. The whole nation would be saying and screaming, rock, shazak. And this idea to be strong and courageous, not in ourselves, but in the God of all creation. 
And this became my battle cry of 2018. This became something I held on to. This became something that I would wake up early and I would be walking in a nature preserve by myself and there would be moments I would scream at the top of my lungs, Rock, Shazak, God, I need to be strong and courageous in you. You want me to do the right thing. Show me the way. I don't want to miss this moment. And there are moments for us that I go, man, I think some of us, we don't have a battle cry. And you leave this place, you're going into battle. And sometimes it wasn't just this moment where I could scream out, rock shazak, I'll be really, really honest. Sometimes it was the outcry of my heart. And there were moments that I didn't feel like I could scream it because I was so afraid. And I would literally whisper it, like, rock, shazak. Trying to believe that God somehow would give me his supernatural strength and courage to live into this moment. And, and there were these moments for me that I began to recognize, man, this is what God wanted for Joshua. Not for him to go, you got it. You can lead it. You're so awesome and gifted. What he wanted was a heart that was so dependent on him. Can you imagine if this church had that? All of us just going, God, I want my strength and my courage to come from you. I don't think we'd miss moments. A number of years ago, I, I found myself getting invited to go to the Vatican. And, and, and when I went to the Vatican, I... I, I thought to myself, man, you know, maybe I should bring a gift uh, for the Pope. And, and I thought to myself, maybe I should bring him a Bible. But then I thought, hey, he's probably got a lot of Bibles. <laughs> and then I thought, maybe I should bring him a candle. But the dude has a lot of candles, I'm sure. I, I, don't, I don't, what do you bring someone who's leading a billion people? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. And so um, I thought being from Chicago, I should bring him a gift that maybe he might wear because he's around a whole bunch of cardinals. And um, I thought I would just bring him a Cubs jersey. And so um, I, I gave him a Cubs jersey. And, I, and I'm just having this moment. We're talking. And, and, and then he looks at me. And he, he just looks at me. And his eyes are just so focused on me. And in this kind of broken English, he simply says, preach. The world needs better preaching. Preach. Never stop preaching. Preach the good news. Preach Jesus. Don't stop preaching. Blessed is the man who speaks the good news. And I, I was like, what in the world? I'm bringing you a Cubs jersey and you are speaking into my life? And I'm literally like sitting on the flight. I'm in like 32D, which is like the, or, or DF, DEF, sorry. I'm in 32E, the middle seat, which is like the worst seat, like basically back up against the bathroom, flying home from Rome. And, I, and it's like two in the morning and I'm like, I can't forget this. 
And so random person beside me who had been leaning on me, and I like move their head, I climb over them, I get up, get my journal, close it, jump back, and I just start to write this. I didn't want to miss out on this story. I get home, I share it with my wife, what I wrote down. And she looks at me and she goes, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to just preach. I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm going to keep preaching good news. And, and in this moment, it was like God gave me this fresh reminder to be strong and courageous. And, and here's my hope. For some of you, you're just going through your day and you don't have that battle cry or you don't have that outcry of your heart or you don't have that vision for how you want to live. And so what happens is the lies of the past and the lies of the enemy or the worries of tomorrow become the loudest voice in your life and you miss out on what God wants for you. But when a church of significance understands the vision that God has given to them individually and corporately, then they leave a building and they never stop declaring God's promises like Rock Shazak. And what I long for you is for you to be a church of significance, Eagle Naz, and own the moment and for you to be this church of significance that never stops declaring God's promises. And when you live like that, something happens. And so right away, God says, be strong and courageous. Joshua, I want you to go towards the promised land. But here's the thing. What's kind of between where Joshua is and the promised land is the Jordan River. And if you've never been to Israel, you've got to understand that the Jordan River begins at like the top of the, like the biggest like mountain range in Israel, and it moves all the way down to the Dead Sea. And during flood stage, it is crazy. It moves so fast. And so Joshua's got to be like, all right, guys, we're going to cross this. And what God instructs him is, hey, get a few priests, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a few priests, and then I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, which is a box where God's presence was in, and I want you to step into the Jordan River, and the water's going to stop. And then those priests are going to stand in the middle of the Jordan, and all of the nation's going to be able to get to the other side. So then Joshua's got to go, um, hey, nation, here's what's going to happen. God told me we're going to cross the Jordan. And they're like, dude, you're not Moses. Moses could split the Red Sea, but he had a staff. You don't even got a staff, dude. No, no, but God gave me something. What did he give you? Rock Shazak. Be strong and courageous. And they're like, so Joshua, you're not actually going to be one of the people holding. No, I'm not. I'm looking for some volunteers. And they're like, Really? Yeah, I'm just asking that you would hold the Ark of the Covenant. And I'm looking for some people. I know it's flood stage, but you got to have the faith. And I want you to put your foot in the water. And seriously, you put your foot in the water, and it's going to stop. And then we're going to get to the other side, and then we're going to get enter that land. The land with, like, where we're grasshoppers? Yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it. And all of a sudden, some priests raise their hands. And they have the courage to do this. And I just can't imagine them looking, holding, and wondering, going, 
dude, I really hope God's with Joshua. I really hope, because this is going to be really embarrassing, and I'm going to drop God's presence. And they do it. And all of a sudden, the nation gets to the other side, and they're like, God's with this man. It's amazing is because Joshua owned a moment. Joshua declares a promise. And then Joshua gives an invitation for other people to demonstrate faith. And when they demonstrate faith, it works. And people are like, unbelievable. Then Joshua goes, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to march around the city of Jericho. We're going to do it for seven days. And then on the last day, we're going to chant a war cry. And scholars believe they chanted, Rock Shazak. And we're going to chant that. And it's all going to come down. Let's go. And they're like, well, you crossed the Jordan. Okay. And all of a sudden, do you see what's happening? Faith, like Legos, are just being built. And all of a sudden, you're like, you crossed that? You made a whole city's walls fall down? What's going to stop? What's going to get in the way of God using us? And all of it was, was one man who owned a moment one man who wouldn't stop declaring God's promises and one man who gave an opportunity for other people to have faith. What's changed, friends? The same is true as you flip through the New Testament. A whole bunch of people who chose to own moments or people who chose to run for moments. You've got to ask yourself today, what kind of church do you want to be? And the kind of church that was willing to declare the promises or a church that's going to kind of get a little scared of the word of God. A kind of church that's going to invite other people into faith stories to experience only God moments. Or a kind of church that's going to go, I'll let somebody else do it. And this for me, if you all can do that, changes everything. Changes everything. So, I made you hold hands and, say, and pretend that you were redwood trees. And I started thinking to myself, I mean, it's my last time here. I'll probably never be invited back anyway. So let's just go out with a very bizarre bang. Okay, and now you're all sitting here going, what in the world? So here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now. Tentatively, people are like, wait, what in the world is going on? Here's what I'm thinking. I think that you all, all are at a moment. A moment for the history of this church. And I, I, I can say that as an outsider. I can say that for the last few days, I've just been kind of observing, watching, spent four hours with the staff here today. Been blessed being here Sunday night, obviously Sunday morning, Monday night, tonight. And I think you all are standing at the base of the Jordan. And you leave this place and there's opportunity. And you leave this place and you head into your neighborhoods and you head into your, your marketplace and you head into your schools. And there's opportunities. Opportunities for you to be a church of significance that owns the moment. And an opportunity for you to be a church of significance that declares God promises. And you sit here, and some of you probably are like, yeah, I don't think he gets Eagle, Idaho. Yeah, I'm not sure he understands my story. 
yeah, I don't know. And you are just like the rest of the nation of Israel. But I also wonder, I wonder if Joshua were here today and said, all I got for you is Rakshazak. I wonder, I wonder how many of you, when he said, all I'm asking is for a few of you to, to hold on to the Ark of the Covenant and say, I'll go first in that water because I believe that God's best days are ahead of us. We just need to have faith. And I just wonder, and this, this might be crazy, but I just, I just felt like I needed to ask if Joshua were here today asking that of Eagle Naz, asking for a few volunteers, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I believe that God has something for us on the other side and I would go first? How many of you would just raise your hand? Yeah. And then I, and then I started thinking about this, right? I started thinking about this going, oh my goodness, if we're going to do this, this is not about us and our own strength. Sometimes we worship the gift. When people come up and they're like, man, you're so good at worship. Not me. They never say that about me. But like, like you're so good at like teaching. You know, it doesn't, the gift is nothing. It's the giver. God has given you so much. He's given you your story. He's given you so much. All he's asking you is to trust him. And so then I thought, you know what? If the whole nation would scream rock shazak going into battle, why don't we? So I know, I know, I know. There's probably some of you in your 20s or 30s, you're like, are you serious? You're going to make us scream rock shazak? Yeah, I am. (laughs) And I know that there's like some of you in your 70s and you're like, I have been waiting for this moment my whole life. But I'm telling you, friends, you have a moment right now to say we are going to cross the Jordan, and we are going to go to where God shows us to go, and we're not going to be a church that runs away from moments. We are going to be a church that goes, God, give us these moments, because we know only God's stories are here. You have them for us, and we're going to be a church that's not afraid to declare God's promises. So let's start here, because if we can't do it here, you ain't going to be able to do it out there. This is why we gather, to be reminded, to know our play, to encourage one another, to push one another, to challenge one another. So here's what's going to happen, because I don't know if all of you got rhythm. Okay, no offense, no offense. I just saw some of you in the worship, a little, little, little off, but it's okay. No, no judgment, no judgment. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to scream rock shazak, and then I'm going to point at you. And when I point at you, then you say Rock Shazak, okay? Now, again, you can, you don't go into battle going, Rock Shazak. You know what I mean? Like, you, like, like it's not really compelling, okay? So, so feel it, all right? And I kid you not, it's going to feel weird until you say it. <laughs> so here it is. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this for tomorrow, I want you to think about this when you walk into your school. I want you to think about this when you walk into the marketplace. I want you to think about this when you, when you drive or you walk into that Starbucks. I want you to think about it as you enter into your town, as you enter into your home, as you enter into your neighborhood. God is going to give you so many moments. And not, this is the moment where you say, you know what, I'm making a declaration, God, that me, one Christ follower, a part of a body of believers, 
is not going to run away from what you put before me. So I'm going to need your strength. I'm going to need your courage. So God, use me. So with everything you have, just declare it. Rock, Shazak! Rock, Shazak! Come on, Eagle Naz. Now we're getting it. Man, bring that to Boise State and let's see what happens. Now we're talking. Okay, so then, then think about this, right? You've got these moments that God has given to you. And now you're going to have a chance. You're going to have a chance in that moment to declare something. To declare when you hear fear or you hear a lie from the pit of hell. Or when you hear brokenness. Or when you cease, you're going to have a chance to declare God's goodness, God's grace, God's love, God's truth. You're going to have to have a chance to invite someone in to this community. And when you live like that, you are giving someone the opportunity to cross over into a new story, into a new chapter, into a new life, into a new hope that's found in Christ alone. And when you do that, let me just give you a vision. Someday when you get to the end of your life, I wonder, and I'm not saying this is biblical. It might be so heresy, but again, I'm not coming back. But like, here's the thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wonder, I wonder if like when we get to heaven, like God's just going to say, hey, come with me. Just imagine like God just walking and just saying, hey, see them? They wouldn't have been here if you didn't own that moment. And they might not have been here if you didn't declare that promise and make that invitation. And you know what? Look at them. You took a risk and it worked. And now their kids and their grandkids down there because of that one conversation and that one invitation, God brought them to church and God used them. And then they were a fire starter. They became like a Paul. You were just this Ananias and God just was able to work through them. And I just wonder sometimes if we look at our lives and go, man, we're drifting from the race that God has set before us. So when God gives you these moments, have the strength, have the courage to declare the truth, to declare the promises, to make the invitation, and let's see what God does. So with everything you have in you, rock, shizak! Rock, shizak! Dude, this is so awesome. Okay, we just have to do it one more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. All right? One, two, three. Rock, shizak! Okay, so here's how, here's how I want you to think. Now, you've just said that. You've just declared it. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to create an altar to mark this moment. Because when they crossed the Jordan, they marked a moment. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you really want this, and now they're like, hey, what are you going to make us do now? <laughs> At the altar, Brett and I um, just had this idea of just taking post-it notes and, and, and here at the altar, there's pens, but maybe what you'll do is just kind of think. There's some people that maybe I just want to make, have a conversation with. 
Maybe it's a family member. Maybe someone in my neighborhood. Maybe someone that I'm just going to choose to pray for for the next 14 days. And I'm just going to write this down. I'm just going to come up. I'm going to take that, those list of names. I'm just going to put it up on the wall. You can put it on both sides of the wall. And, and we're just going to do some time of worship. And I just imagine, can you, can you imagine if there were just names? And feel free, if you, if you want, you can just, you can, I saw you walking up, Stacy. don't worry. You're, you're good, you're good. I like that. And you can just like write those names and just place them on that wall. And we're going to have this display. You don't got to write their full name and their, their email address and the phone number. We're not, we're just, what we're just looking for is like, hey, here are a few names in my story that, God, you've placed in my life that I'm going to need the boldness. I'm going to need that battle cry, Rock Shazak, to actually own that moment, to have the courage to declare your promise. And, and that, this is where it gets, the challenge gets super personal. And again, no, no, no pressure if you, can't, if you don't feel like you're, you are ready to do that. But, man, can you imagine if we just filled this with names? And then at the end, Pastor Tim's just going to come up and just pray for us just to, just to go after that and see what God might do in the season ahead. Sound good? You're a beautiful church. Your best days are ahead. It's your time. It's your time.